This is the Cyclone Fanatic Built to Lead podcast series. Presented by Graphite Construction Group. We build it better. Learn more at graphitegrp.com. Now, here's Chris Williams. All right, what is going on? Welcome to this month's Built a Weed podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Of course, I'm your host, Chris Williams. Uh, it is July, football just around the corner. I'm going to talk a little basketball today, though. So I did this, uh, full disclosure, I recorded this podcast with Billy Finley from the Iowa State women's basketball coaching staff last week. And... Um, so it, it might sound a little bit dated just when we're talking about like the name, image, and likeness and stuff like that. I, I was going to run it last weekend, but we ended up having so much content with the commits and all that stuff that I decided it would be better to wait for this weekend. So you guys had a little bit more to chew on. But it's really good. Um, Billy's a guy I like a lot. I kind of grew up in the business with him, done a lot of traveling with women's basketball over the years. I really... I uh, love everything that that program stands for. Anybody who follows me knows that. I think Billy's been uh, really integral in the the kind of not the turnaround of that program. It's always been really good. I do feel like it's been a bit rejuvenated um, under Bill under the last few years. I think Billy's had a lot to do with that. And uh, we talk about how, why recruiting in 2021. And a lot more. So, with that, here is my um, Built to Lead podcast. Of course, we are presented by our friends, the Graphite Construction Group. Uh, Built to Lead podcast. Uh, Billy Finley is my guest. Enjoy and uh, have a great weekend, guys. All right. We're uh, with Billy Finley today, main man Billy Finley from the women's basketball program here on the Built to Lead podcast. We're loading you up with podcasts uh, leading up to the 4th of July. And uh, Bridget Carlton's going to be on, too, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, member of uh, Team Canada in the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. On that topic, Billy, real quick before we get into some other stuff. That's cool. I mean, that that's kind of the pinnacle. I mean, I, I know that she's done all this great stuff in the WNBA, but if anybody knows Bridget like you do, the Canada thing is always something she's had a lot of pride in. This is That's pretty outstanding for her. Yeah, it's unbelievable, really. I mean, we all kind of knew it was going to happen and and she was ready for it last year, obviously, and then get shoved back a year. But I remember the very first uh, recruiting conversation coach Dyer had with her. She made it very clear that her goal in her basketball career was to be an Olympian. And uh, with that came every summer, not being with our team, with her being with Canada basketball, kind of climbing the ladder and all the, U18s, U19s, world championships, all that stuff that she missed all the summer stuff with us. And I know a couple teams that recruited her really tried to make it seem like, okay, we'll support you, but we really want you with our team and doing our stuff. We worked very closely with Canada basketball. Uh, Coach Cassandra Byer, our strength coach, worked really closely with them in terms of what they wanted from her, what they wanted to see from her. We work closely with their coaches and, okay, how, what more do you want us to develop for her game? Not just for us, but also for them. So it worked out uh, really, really well. Obviously along the way, uh, she became one of the, one of the greatest players ever at Iowa state, won a big 12 player of the year. And now she's an Olympian, which uh, I just actually got on. She sent me the link for some gear. I bought a will a Jersey and a Canada basketball shirt. So uh, we'll be proudly representing nice. Hopefully late night, uh, end of July, and uh, I'll let Will stay up a little later and eat some popcorn that's, and watch Bridget. That's huge. Yeah, I, I want to get me a can of the basketball. If you can get my get your paws on an extra, I'd love to 
support that. I got a Bridget jersey. Like I'm, I like to think I'm one of her biggest fans. It's 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 really awesome. Hey, um, let's do some other stuff here. It's been a tumultuous year to be a coach. I don't really want to do the whole COVID thing. We we all kind of know about that, but even this, the last like two weeks is. We kind of knew that this name, image, and likeness thing was coming. Has this been, even though it still seems like it kind of has been a rat race up until the end, what's it been like in the basketball offices? I mean, I think we're all kind of just sitting here like, okay, what is it really going to be? You know, there's been some things in the past, I think, that not not as um, grand as this and, and with the potential – but there's been some things in the past, let's say two or three years ago, the NCAA passed where coaches could like or retweet anything that any recruit said. Yeah. You know, you couldn't add your own words to it. But I remember when that was coming up and we were all like, oh, my goodness, like we're going to live on our <laughs> we're going to have to live on our phones. And yeah. do I get another one and, and have a, a manager literally like like and retweet everything just because everybody else is going to be doing it? And da, da, da. so. Now, again, a much different situation, but I think as we look back on that, we can say, okay, that wasn't as crazy as we thought it was going to be. And I really believe six months, a year from now, I don't know exactly when, I think we will be able to look back at this and say, okay, it wasn't as crazy as we thought it was going to be. I think there's some people that have a great opportunity, as they should, to use their name, image, and likeness um, like any other regular college student could to, to benefit themselves. Um, I also think that some of these numbers that are getting thrown around by companies that are literally trying to make money off these people, not, they're not the ones giving you the money. They're the ones telling you how much you're worth there. There's a big difference there. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and that's the part that I worry about. And we actually had Jamie Pollard meet with our team last night and he did a great job explaining everything of where we are as a university, where he sees things. Uh, You know, this is an AD of the year. This is somebody who's on the men's basketball committee. So he's very well versed. He's talking with everybody. He's, he's got a great pulse on everything and he's all about the student athlete. So um, I feel like we have great leadership with that. Um, where it goes from here, I don't know. You know, we stand here July 1st, and I did check my phone this morning, and I follow a couple people that have put a couple things out there. But um, I think those people are going to be few and far between. Um, I also think we – I happen to coach a sport at a university that really cares about that sport. So, um, for us, how many women's basketball players can say that they have – a fan base of 7,500 season ticket holders. Now, what do those, how does that monetarily equate to their pocket? I don't know. We'll figure all that out. Uh, what I do know is that there's a lot of little girls in this state and there's a lot of families that, that support our players and see our players as role models. So is that showing up to somebody's birthday party? Is that uh, doing a lesson with, with little Susie because They really love Ashley Jones and they want her to be a player like Ashley Jones. Um, Is that something else that benefits their company? I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think the fact that we do um, have student athletes that are widely recognized across this state won't hurt. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. 
Um, I don't think people want to hear my opinions because they're getting it for like 20 hours a week at this point. So let's just move on. That That's good insight right there. I, I do think to, to finish it off, I don't think people care. Like if Ashley Jones has a little money in her pocket, I, 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 I don't think that the fans care. I just think that the fans, the fans care more, but Iowa state won. They obviously care about the players. I think more so at Iowa state compared to a lot of places, but like, yeah, it, um, well, and I'll go back and I'll, and I'll follow up on that. And Jamie made a great point yesterday with our players. And the reason why we have 10,000 fans at every single one of our games is because after every single one of our games, one of our players spends an hour signing autographs for every little kid there. Exactly. For And they're not getting money in their pocket for that. Now, I also think throughout this whole thing, we've done a great job of devaluing and not recognizing what our student athletes actually do get already right now, mm-hmm. which is, oh, by the way, we're getting ready to open a $95 million student performance center, which I just toured the other day, which is unbelievable. So the meals, the, the, the charter flights, I've seen the bottom line on all these things, all the gear they get. So again, should they have an opportunity to, to do a little bit above and beyond that? Absolutely. Should we act like they're not already getting a lot? I think we're, we're missing the boat there. But what Jamie's point was is that a lot of those people come, if we start saying, if Ashley Jones were to say, ah, you know what? if you want me to sign, you're going to have to cut me a thousand bucks. Well, then the unit, then somebody's not going to do that. And then slowly over time, maybe not in her time, but in the next group's time, that fan base is going to go away. And, you know, we all know Iowans, they want to touch you, feel you, talk to you, and then they can really, they can really buy in. And, and that's what we have is we have a fan base that buys into what we have. And if we start, trying to monetize on all of what we've already done to build that, it will go away really quick. And, and I think that's the fine line that all these college athletes are going to have to walk right now. Um, it may be a thousand bucks here or there, but if you start losing all those fans, then your experience goes down. Then what happens when you want a real job that's going to pay you thousands and thousands of dollars and, yeah. and that network's gone and you've rubbed some people the wrong way. It, it may not, it may not pay off for you in the long run. So, Again, we can talk on this forever. I know we don't want to, but no, it's that's good. a great point, Chris. It's it's good insight. I, I think that, uh, especially in your I, my my kind of one of my predictions the whole time is that, that I think women's basketball, gymnastics, those types of sports will benefit from this more than anyone because of the, I mean, um, that connection that you're talking about. Men's basketball is not the same. Uh, I love the Iowa state men's basketball program, but it's not the same uh, is, you know, when I bring my nieces to one of your games and every player's giving them a high five and um, that it's just not the AAU culture is different. Their upbringing's different. Um, there's a little more, I think entitlement in, in the men's game. Uh, you, you tell me like if, a, if you, if you take your daughter to a gymnastics, like, there's less opportunities for, for females and they don't have as many athletic role models because of the media landscape. And it's just not as big. And I do think like the, the birthday party thing or the one-on-one training is a great way to look at it. I I mean, I, that's um, hell. I would pay Ashley Jones to come and babysit my daughter 
because I know how good of a kid right. she is, you know, and like th- there's a lot yeah, of, maybe. and if she can get some basketball training on the side, that's a, that's a, that's a plus. I, um, right. so here's where I wanted to go with you. You, um, I, I, I think you probably don't get enough credit and I don't want to, I'm not trying to butter you up. I've just noticed. I mean, I feel like I follow your program, your, you and the, the women's program as close as anybody over the years it seemed like there was like a hump and I, I don't know exactly when it was. Um, I'm not sure if it was your, your dad's last battle with cancer that he kicked its butt. I I don't, I don't know when it happened. It seemed like there was a time Billy when it was super, I don't know if tense is the right word, but things were a little bit more stressful than normal. Um, and then it seemed like there was, a transition period and now things seem so fun. It, it seems like, and, and your dad's talked to us about this, me and Bloom, we had him on last fall that he's having as much fun as he's ever had. Can you walk me through for, am I right by the way? Cause I, I don't know. I, I can't even put it on a timeline, but it seems yeah. like things are in a really good spot as far. I mean, clearly the team, we know, Everybody knows about the team coming back, but what, what is that? What was I witnessing there? Yeah. You know, I, I think you're right, Chris. And I, and I also think you're right. I don't know exactly how to pinpoint that. Um, there were some years that were just tough, you know, and it wasn't, yeah. um, it wasn't one player or, or a player that we didn't get or a player that we did get. It was um, our, our, maybe our team culture wasn't <clears throat> as great as it had been. And um, we had good teams, but it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable every day to go to practice because we just had, we kind of had, um, you know, t- people on the team pulling in different directions. We didn't feel like everybody was rowing the boat the same way. Um, yeah. I, and I, I, I did not mean to uh, say row the boat. <laughs> I have, you just ripped off that PJ was, Fleck. Uh, that, uh, lawsuit. I do not have PJ Fleck on my mind. Uh, the the name, image, and likeness people from PJ Fleck will be calling us soon. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, but I think you're right. Like it wasn't a cohesive unit, and it wasn't any one person's fault. It wasn't any one step. If we could have pinpointed it that easily, I think we would have probably tried to fix it. But um, it just it just kind of happened. It probably happened around the time that the big 12 changed. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, you go from what the big 12 was and we had a North and a South and I always go back to this and, and not to say this is not to take away from anybody at anywhere, but we kind of had the North figured out for a while. I'm, I'm I'm just going to be honest. We kind of had that figured out where we got Kansas and Kansas State twice. Well, I mean, Kansas State had a great run there back in the day, early 2000s. But um, you were playing all those teams twice, and then you either played a Texas or, or an Oklahoma. You know, Baylor at the time was just getting hot. You only played them once, either at your place or at their place. And when that changed and we went to 10 teams and we were playing everybody – you know, with that, I think we kind of felt like our recruiting needed to change a little bit. We got, we expanded a little bit. Maybe we gambled on a couple kids um, to try to do something a little bit different. Not to say that it didn't work because we we went to plenty of NCAA tournaments, but 
it wasn't as it wasn't as cohesive as as it had been in the past and absolutely as it is now and i tell people this we you're exactly right it's been a blast we've had three weeks of workouts right now and we added four new kids um and we lost a great group of kids it's been a freaking blast, man. I mean, these guys. You guys I, all seem like, light on your feet right now. And it has been for a couple years, I feel like. Yeah. And it's, and now we got a, a, a super freshman. What I don't even know what we're going to call these guys. Like we asked them the other day, like, are we, are they freshmen again? Are they sophomore? What? I don't, it doesn't matter. All these guys love being here. And like, I mean, we got an Emily Ryan and Alexi Donarski that I'm going to call freshmen again. Okay. Or whatever. They have four years of eligibility left that are a all big 12 type of players already. And now they've got a year under their belt. And if you have guards like that, that are ready to talk and ready to lead and Oh, by the way, they can back it up with their game. Everything just falls into line. Mm -hmm. And we got, in my opinion, one of the top two or three players in the women's game who is back again. Mm -hmm. It could be back again. So um, it's fun. It's fun. You pinpointed it. You're exactly right. We are having a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like the boss man is, is I've tried to lighten him up. And, and I think like, <laughs> I, I think you have, like, I, I really do. I'm like, like, hey, we don't need to sit in the office all day. I mean, unless Chris wants to zoom me, like <laughs> I can be on the boat, you know, like whatever we got to do. And, and um, I think there's been a good balance to that. The grandkids have, have certainly helped yeah. soften them up a little bit, but uh yeah, I don't know. I don't see him slowing down anytime soon, man. I mean, he's hitting it as hard as as we have. We're recruiting the, we're trying to recruit the heck out of it. We got good kids coming in. We got a great group. I think we're going to be the youngest BCS team in the country this coming year, and I also think we're a top twenty team. So uh, we're excited. So walk me through. Culture is such a buzzword in sports. It's totally overused. I think. I mean, I think I, I think a lot of guys like in my chair. Um, the talking heads, they talk about culture. They don't actually know what they're saying. They're just saying it because they've, they've heard coaches say it. Uh, I, I do feel it though. Um, there's a, listen, you don't do what women's basketball at Iowa state has done over the last, however many decades without great culture. So I, I, I put that, but I, I feel like it's better than it ever has been though. So what do you, it is a leader. And I know that you're recruiting a lot of these young women how how do you identify a prospect that will fit that culture? How do you how do you um, decipher through that on the recruiting trail? Because you can't just pick, and I think you guys have learned this over the years. You can't just pick. Oh, this is the best basketball player. No, it's got to fit here. What is that process like for you? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and it's and I feel like it's getting tougher. Uh, we talked to. Uh, I talk to high school kids all the time. Like everybody's telling you that they're, Hey, be careful what you put on your social media. I'll be the first time that I, if you were to call me and say, Hey, I heard about this kid in Missouri or wherever it doesn't. And here's her name. And did it. The very first thing I do every single time is I Google search that. And I Twitter, I look at her Twitter and I look at her Instagram. Mm. I, I can tell a lot from just looking at that. Um, not to say that we're going to completely write somebody off because they retweeted some lyrics yeah. or they posted a picture of whatever, but I can get a really good understanding of what type of kid this is, what type of whatever. Um, and, and I think that's very important for, for what we do. Like it's, 
if I was, if we were recruiting to a different school in a different location, that, that would be different. But like we talked about earlier with name image likeness, like our fan base expects a certain type of student athlete. And that's somebody that goes into the elementary schools and reads a book. That's somebody that goes to the senior citizen homes and scoops ice cream. That's somebody that stays an hour to sign autographs without having their hand out. Um, and those are all things that are demanded and it, to the point where now it just gets passed on, you know, as soon yeah. as you have, as soon as you have that. And, and that's where one recruiting class where you miss on that can cost you four years uh-huh. because, and I think we've, we've seen that in the past of what you were alluding to earlier is there was some lingering effects of maybe a missed class or two, um, for, for years after they were gone because those, the kids coming up then didn't know how to lead. Now we're back to that. And, um, Bridget Carlton's class, Mayor Burke Hall, I mean, rock star leaders, yeah, Adriana Camber. We've all been told, I mean, again, you're talking about, I mean, Kristen Scott, Maddie Wise, it's all now it's passed down. Now, Ash, now, now they all lead in their own way. Um, uh, they all, Ash leads by example. Okay, she's never going to be the most talkative, whatever, but you can't ever falter because she's in there. She's just busting her butt every single second. Other people, Adriana Camber was more vocal. Um, so, but that's what we talk about where it's so hard to, you really have to um, pinpoint exactly what you're looking at the recruiting process. And we do a lot of talking to high school coaches. You know, I mean, obviously AAU is where we go out and we see them a lot. And, and that's where most of the stuff happens. But the high school coaches see them after they just flunked a test, after they lost, uh, you know, a heartbreaker to their rival the night before. Maybe their boyfriend broke up with them. I don't know. But these are things that you don't see in July when you're just sitting there watching 50 games in a month. So, um, you know, for us, it's all about trying to figure that out. And uh, sometimes the most – the most uh, important recruits you get are the ones you don't get. And, yeah. uh, you know, and we talk about that all the time. And especially this day and age with the transfer portal, we've been saying the most recruits we have are the ones on our, on our roster right now. Um, because they're going to help us recruit the next wave of kids that are like them. And we got to keep them fostered and keep them growing and keep them whatever so that our culture stays the way it needs to be so that the next group just falls right into line. You have a um, – now we're going to get really like, okay, Chris and Billy are having a beer at the bar, but this is what the people want. You have a um, – We can do that. What, what could we charge for that, Chris? I mean, like, I'd like to – Well, we can lot. now. I mean, like <laughs> – So you have what I would call a – it's a tricky – it's a tricky spot when your last name is Finley and you have the same name as your dad because you do have – advantages there's no doubt about that that your dad is one of the icons of women's college basketball coaching with that comes a big disadvantage in my opinion I remember when you got this job um, watching people hammer you because they didn't think you're qualified you're just getting it because your dad and all this man you have fought like hell to evolve through that I as your friend I'm proud of you for that it's been fun to watch what's that like I mean, I'm not telling you you haven't anything you don't know. You've heard this stuff. What did that fuel you? 
uh, because now you are, I mean, you're an up and comer, you're a future head coach. What has that process been like over the last 10 years? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks, Chris. I, uh, you know, I appreciate that, but don't uh, get a big head. I don't know. The Braves are you still know, better I, than the Cardinals. We took three of four. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, having the, having the last name that I have has absolutely got my foot in the door everywhere that I've been. So I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Um, it got me the opportunity to go work with Brenda freeze at the university of Maryland right before, before I even graduated from college, I accepted the job, got out there and found out she was pregnant with twins and had way more responsibility than any 22 year old on a team that went 34 and four and was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament would have ever expected. And then well, went from there to Northwestern yep. where they had won four games the year before. So it was like complete opposite, but a great opportunity with another hall of fame coach, uh, Joe McEwen again, would have never gotten my foot in the door had it wouldn't have been for, you know, my dad or, or my name. And, and, you know, so with that, everybody has something that's getting them in the door, you know? Um, and for me, it happens to be my last name and the network. And so with that comes great responsibility. We talk to our players all the time about that. Like if you're at a place where they care and where they, where they pay to come see you play on a lot of levels with that comes a lot of responsibility. If we screw up, they're going to be on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah, I know um, there's a beast that comes with this that not a lot of people realize. So, you know, I think obviously I grew up knowing that and, and, uh, and realizing that. So that come, you know, with that comes great responsibility. And, um, you know, I think that's something that we've tried to do, uh, you know, and then married a former player who is probably just as recognizable, if not more recognizable than myself in this state now. So she uh, talks a lot more than you do. Yeah. (laughs) Lindsay and I, uh, you know, we do talk about it a lot and, and it's important. And we talk with our kid, you know, will about it. Now he understands it, but, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you just have to make the most of the opportunity that you're given. I wasn't, Hey, if you don't have a, first of all, if you don't have any haters, then you're probably not having much success. So, I mean, I watched the sun's game last night and people were hating on Chris Paul. And I'm like, how can you hate on this guy? This guy's killing it. Like if you're not, if you don't have haters, you're not very good at something because obviously it's, nobody's paying attention. It's the old, um, Colin Cowherd said this once, I rem- you know, what? Uh, Chris Hassel sent me this. I, something I said, I don't remember what it was. It was a long time ago. A bunch of Iowa fans were just roasting me. Shock, right? Shocker that that's right. That, that would happen. And Chris Hassel called me and said, he quoted Colin Cowherd to me. And he said, I just, he goes, I think about this every day. Cowherd said it once. If you don't have haters, you're not doing your job. And yeah. a lot of that, I, you just like, you've, you've plowed through it. I, I think that, um, I know your dad's really proud, uh, but I, I, I can honestly, and again, I, I feel like I'm as study your program as much as anybody. I think you're integral to the culture right now from what I, what I just have, have and, it, and there's evolution there. I give your dad a lot of credit too, because student athletes have changed. I mean, the, the Angie Welly types are few and far between now. 
And you know, I, I think, think that's that, one of the things. Yeah. I, I think we we get we get negatively recruited against all the time on this. So and it it's no secret to anybody who's ever watched us play. Um, the guy who shares a name with me and has a little more gray hair than me can be a little bit animated. Okay. So, um, but I agree with you hundred percent, Chris, he, the way that he handles our players um, now in practice, off the court, everything, he, he's totally evolved. Um, everybody says, you know, the kids are changing, times are changing and he'll, he'll be the first to tell them, I don't want to believe that, you know, I don't, I don't, whatever. Um, but there are things that we do differently because of just like you said, you know, I mean, just everything is different, you know, whether it's, whether it's social media or somebody else being hard on them or not hard, on, whatever that is, whatever those draws are that just weren't prevalent 10 to 15 years ago, we have to take all that into consideration. We just got done with individual meetings and in every single meeting, he asked every single player, what can I do to help you? Mm. How do you want to be coached? Do you want to be, have more demand, louder, whatever? Do I, do we need to take a softer approach? Do we need to do more one-on-one? Do we need to watch more? Whatever that is for that person, it doesn't matter the way we like to coach. That doesn't, that does no good. If we're not meeting our players where they are, then we're not doing our job. And there's been plenty of players on both ends of the spectrum. Um, And so I think, you know, for him, for his evolution, for where we got, and I can tell you two years ago, I can pinpoint an exact meeting. Um, It was Adriana Cambridge senior year, and we lost all three in-state schools. We were, it was mid-December, and we were trending in the wrong direction. Uh, I think we had just lost to Iowa at home and we lost to you and I and Drake beat us, whatever, whatever. We were not heading in the right direction. And, mm-hmm. and it was normally one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, people probably think we're just going to put them on the line and run them or whatever. And we had a meeting and we, we met our whole staff met with every single player. And we said, we're starting at ground zero. We're zero and zero. We know what we know. But we, if we don't learn from what we've just done, then we're not going to get any better. And so tell me what what this is your chance. We shut up and we just let them talk. What do we need to do differently in your opinion to change this? Like we kind of just flip the roles and just let the let the players coach us for a minute. And we went, I don't even know what we went, 11 and 7 in the Big 12. And um, that's when we beat – that's when we beat Baylor and we were going to be in the NCAA tournament. And then that's when COVID hit that, that it was that year. Um, we had just beat Baylor and yeah. we were heading down to Kansas city. Yeah. We were heading down to Kansas city, but that year started terribly. And it was the leadership and the ownership that we allowed to put back into our players that totally changed that team and totally changed that, that trajectory of that season and um, again, that was Adriana Cambridge senior year. That's why it was so special that we beat Baylor that year because it started so rough and they, they totally flipped the whole thing. But I don't think people would even understand how that would go in the middle of a season um, and, and fully. But to your point in terms of 
how the how he's changed over time um, and how we've kind of all and, and you got Jody and Latoya that have been with him for a super long time too. Okay, they all coached yeah. all those teams back then too. So it's been a joint effort. There's never any like there's never any like of this in the in the office. We all know each other. We can all complete each other's sentences, which is good and bad, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, my dad and I go at it a lot. Don't get me wrong. We, no, we I know, but of, that's uh, good though. You don't want yes men and yes women around. Like that's yeah. that's not a good way to. Well, Bob grow. Starkey, Bob Starkey, who's one of the best assistant coaches of all time. Okay, he was he just went to Auburn, was at LSU for a long time under Pokey Chapman, and was just at Texas A and M under Gary Blair. Always said, and he writes a ton of stuff on assistant coaching. Always said, you have to be the opposite of your head coach. That was just, if he could put being an assistant coach into as simple terms as possible, it was being the opposite of your head coach. So that day that your head coach was super going to just get into him and demand and demand and demand, you better put an arm around and you better be there and you better coddle him. That one day that your coach is going to be, your head coach is going to be like, all right, we're going to have a nice day. I'm going to, we're going to set the tone. It's your job to walk behind him and say, hey, you know, coach may be in a good mood and, and you're doing some really good things, but hey, don't forget this. Don't forget that. You know, whatever that is. Um, so that's always kind of been in the back of my head in, in my job. Obviously, fully having the trust and support of your head coach, but just being the opposite of how, of how that may be delivered on a daily basis. Well, uh, we'll wrap this up. I know you got to get to a meeting. I want to get La- Latoya is my breakfast buddy when we're on the road. I always meet. Latoya and I always have breakfast together. I want to get her on a pod. I think it'll be a hoot, man. We'll have a we'll have a hell oh, of a yeah. time. I think that's that's my That'd next contact. Good stuff. Um, thank you for your I got, time. I got a little more time. We can keep rolling. This is fun. Uh, okay. Well, I did want to. So our sponsor, the Graphite Construction Group. I told you about this. I wanted you to get thinking. They um, give five hundred dollars to the charity of my guest choice. Where you, where do you want to give five hundred dollars to today? I think I would just like to uh, first of all thank you very much to uh, Graphite Construction, very generous. I'm going to tack it on to um, whatever is going to be fundraised on July twenty sixth. No, third. July twenty third is the George Niang Golf Audi. My wife helps run that for him. And he is donating all the proceeds to Friendship Arc Homes, which is uh, it's a place. It's a it's an organization that builds houses for um, adults that have uh, physical or mental disorders. And it's a it's a great organization. Uh, my wife and kids, we've been to all these houses. We've gone over and had dinner with them. Um, and it's a it's a great way. That's awesome, for, man. For your kids to. Uh, appreciate maybe at least the next time you go to target, they won't ask for everything under the sun because you really get a great perspective on life. Um, just spending time in it. Uh, a great organization uh, that my mom has been on the board on forever. And Lindsay's uh, very active in, and uh, George of course is going to come back and spend the day and they're going to raise a couple years ago. I think they raised like 65 grand in, in one night you were there emceeing it. So mm-hmm. it's a fun time. July 23rd. If you're looking to swing the sticks, um, Get out to Ames Golf and Country Club, but let's tack on that 500 bucks onto that total. Perfect. I love it. Um, what else is going on this summer before the – well, I mean, honestly, it's July 1st when we're doing this. I always feel like when July 4th hits, it's over. Off-season's over. Because I got, like, Big 12 Media Days in two weeks, and then, like, students are back on campus in, like, a month, and then it's on. Well, you guys already have them on campus, but then 
you know, you know what I'm saying? Basketball is such a long season. And I think that's another thing. Like we don't, it's first of all, it's the only sport in the athletic department that, that has their season span over both semesters. Um, and, and we go, I mean, we start ramping up in early September with full practice, but you're hoping to be playing your best basketball end of March. So while we're doing some workouts and stuff in June and July, we fully understand that the goal is end of March, early April. And um, we still have a sour taste in our mouth from, from how that deal ended last year. Um, but I think over the next three to four years, you're going to see this group really benefit from how the end, the, the end of last year went. Um, ironically enough, the last two games that we lost, uh, we lost 84-82 in overtime, both games. Uh, we lost to Texas and Kansas City, 84-82 in overtime. And we lost to Texas A&M to go mm-hmm. to the Sweet 16, 84-82 in overtime. In the middle, we beat Michigan State, who mm-hmm. was a really good – that was a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, both those games were phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. as I look back on that that adventure of being in San Antonio and everybody being, like, insanely COVID crazy and – having meals delivered to your door and then all that stuff coming out about, man, we weren't getting a weight room and da, 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 oh, da, yeah. we were living it down there. It was a headline like every day. Another team on the street because like you're walking to go practice and get COVID tested. And here comes Louisville, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, and then like, and then you got a meal delivered and it was like, come from, you know, we might get cheesecake factory, but like it had to go through this rigorous, like, testing process as it got dropped off to the hotel and nobody from the outside could come into the hotel. And my kids and wife were in San Antonio and the best I could do is wave from the other side of the street. You know, it's like, it was crazy, man, but it was such a great experience and, uh, and allowed our kids to come together even more. So um, I wouldn't trade that for anything because there will never be, hopefully, even though I enjoyed it, there will never be an NCAA tournament where all 64 teams are in the exact same location. You see it in the final four. You see it, you know, the women's game is really pushing a sweet 16 in Las Vegas, which I think would be a genius idea. Um, But you're never going to see all 64 teams literally within a three block radius of each other ever again. Um, We all go to home sites. We go four at a site. We play, and then we go to the Sweet 16 regional, and then we go to the Final Four. Like, you're never – it was such a unique experience, and it was so great. And, man, we had, like, 97 COVID tests. <laughs> How many things times, have been stuck up your times nose? 30, times 30 in our travel party, we did not have one positive. Yeah. I mean, our the way our, our players handled all of that, um, to, to not be like a normal college student, and that's all we asked them to do is be super, super careful – knowing that some of that stuff was out of their control, but it was unbelievable. I mean, it really was. And I know a lot of people have made a lot of all the athletes had to do last year. And it's still not enough because it was, that's not what they signed up for. Certainly not what we signed up for either, but this is supposed to be the best four years of their life in uh, playing college athletics and what they had to do and sacrifice was, was unbelievable. And um, again, just, just goes to the culture and the, and the leadership that we had on our team to say, hey, we our goal was to play every game on our schedule, and we did. 
Well, it was a it was a hell of a ride. Get to your meeting. We're gonna do this again. We'll do this again before the season. Appreciate you. Uh, tell everybody hello. Enjoy your fourth. What Clear Lake? Clear Lake, baby. Carnival games and uh, corn dogs. Can't beat that. That's that's American as apple pie right there, man. That's right, baby. We got it. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you for your Thanks, time, Chris. Appreciate you, man.